Welcome to the Squared Circle Psycho Babble, the subjectively objective podcast for fans of the sports entertainment known as pro wrestling. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. And on this episode, we'll talk about this week's Rampage, SmackDown, Raw, and AEW Dynamite. And let's start things off with how Rampage opened up this week, Ralph. So it opened up with the AEW Championship Eliminator match between Jon Moxley and Mance Warner. And this created a little bit of controversy on social media. A fan went on, I believe, TikTok, and the video went across all different social media platforms saying that he doesn't know who Mance Warner is, doesn't expect fans to know who Mance Warner is, and that's why AEW kind of suffers with their growth. Of course, this led to backlash with some fans saying that they explained why Warner was getting the match, some saying the man has a point. So, Ralph, did this man, did this commenter have a point that Mance Warner just kind of got this match without explanation? AEW definitely took the time to at least put a video package together. I think that was what on the dynamite before this rampage to kind of let yes. people know uh, the whole deal with Mance Warner and give a little bit of a backstory of who he was. That being said, is he anywhere near the level of, uh, you know, visibility, notoriety? Has he achieved as much as John Moxley has in pro wrestling? No, John Moxley is one of the most successful pro wrestlers of the past, what, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, he's been at the very top in WWE. He's certainly been at the very top in AEW. And you have a relatively uh, unknown wrestler in Mance Warner coming out in, in this uh, obscure, what was it, a title eliminator? Is that what they call that match? Right. They It's so. a title eliminator match. That's, you know, they did it first. The WWE did the contenders match. So I hate them either way because you pin the champion to get a championship match. Sure. It's so dumb. You beat the champion in a one-on-one -on -one match. You're the champion. None of this eliminator match crap or contenders match. I hate that, but go on. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, of course, this is going to strike a nerve with some people because there there are people out there who feel like uh, you should know everything there is to know about pro wrestling. And it, it's it's almost like if you don't know who this guy is, then it's uh, disingenuous. You're not a real fan. You have to prove your fandom. I don't buy that. Not everybody has time to really invest X amount of hours past whatever you're already investing in pro wrestling. If you have that amount of time to... Uh, casually sit around and watch the most obscure of pro wrestling events and you enjoy it, more power to you. Nobody's telling you you shouldn't do that. Nobody's telling you you shouldn't go out and watch as much pro wrestling as you can and find however much pro wrestling makes you happy. Um, I do think but, he but has a point. To, to the counterpoint, though, it just takes five minutes to Google Mance Warner and look I'm him not up going at, No, no. And that's where I draw my line. No, I, I look, if this guy is that good and that important, AEW needs to convince me that this guy is worthy of the match that he's in. Did they do that with the video package that they showed? Some may say yes. Some may say no. I know who Mance Warner was before this match. Do I think that he should be having a main event match or a match in general with John Moxley? Probably not, unless they truly intend to do something with Mance Warner. And we've had this conversation a couple other times before on the show. Um, Alan Angels had a very competitive match against... Uh, Kenny Omega, a couple of years ago, we came on here and we were critical about that. And people were like, you're crazy. It was a great match. And it was like, look, yeah, it was a good match, but does that do anything for Kenny? Are they going to do anything with Alan Angels? I think we kind of see how that story unfolded and we know how that story kind of ended. Alan Angels isn't even under contract with AEW right now. Um, so that being said, 
Look, if you enjoyed the the match with Mance Warner, that's fine. Um, I don't blame people for saying I'm not invested in this match. You didn't make me care about it because I think they ac- absolutely have a point there. I don't think AEW made people feel like this guy was on Moxley's level. And I no, think that is a legitimate gripe. I, I get the argument that this video was trying to point out because they have done this in the past where they kind of just throw matches together and you're like, why should I care? And obviously those that habitually watch other promotions and other forms of pro wrestling know these t- certain talents. So it's like, Ooh, this is why it's a big match, but they don't really provide the backstory. Yeah. They might do it on a YouTube segment or YouTube video. Yeah. They might throw it on, you know, somewhere else or social media, but it doesn't quite have the same buzz as Kind of what we saw with this Mance Warner. We we got like an explanation. All right, he won this bunkhouse match at Ric Flair's last match. Cool. If that was the prize for the match, fine. You know, I <clears throat> don't think that, you know, it's absolutely a bad thing that he's facing John Moxley because you got to get John Moxley on TV and you don't want him beating all the top stars each and every week. So having a guy like a Mance Warner out there that is going to go out there to try to prove himself against one of the top stars in AEW just gives you a shot of like a, a good match. I don't think he should be out there laying and getting squashed like some people would, you know, say that should happen. I don't have a real problem with it. You know, I've seen Mance Warner before. Am I going to watch because of Mance Warner? No, but at the same time, there are people that are going to get excited for it. And those that are going to watch are going to watch. I mean, look, I think that there's de- AEW definitely has a certain fan base that uh, pays attention to more of the underground indie pro wrestling. And I think a good majority of their fan base knows who Mance Warner is. Right. I think where AEW struggles sometimes is one, they're certainly limited in the amount of time that they have to present what I would consider a kind of a bloated roster in a limited amount of time on television. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you look at Mance Warner and his match, yes, he wrestled Moxley. Yes. Moxley is one of the most over guys. What just happened on dynamite last night? CM Punk returned. Is anybody talking about the match that Mance Warner had? Did this do anything to elevate him? Not quite yet. Did they do anything to follow up on dynamite with this match with Mance Warner and John Moxley? And that's the thing. Like, I feel like sometimes, um, They just expect it to be like, okay, well, he had a match with Mox. Instantly, he's over. Uh, Daniel Garcia had a really competitive match against uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Wheeler Yuta had a very competitive match against uh, John Moxley. And that kind of elevated them to different levels, I would say, because they make it a point to follow up on that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But the more time you allow to pass between the actual match where this happened with Mance Warner and having him be presented in some meaningful way, fashion or match. I think that's missing the boat. And that, that kind of further proves the point. I think that this was trying to drive home. It's like, why should I care about this guy? Yeah, that should may may have been like the start of a storyline, but if CM Punk's going to come back and he's going to wrestle Lionheart, Chris Jericho and do all these things, and you're not even going to have like a segment or anything to kind of explain it on dynamite. Why should I care? Well, see the problem I think is one, Mance Warner's not signed to AEW. So why have a follow-up with that? Why have the match? Now, why have He's a, not I signed? Mean, why have the match? Well, you're going to sign people that, you know, have matches just to give guys wins. 
That's that's been happening in pro wrestling for as long as I can remember. We just had it on Raw too with Omos wrestling those two jabronis. You know, they're not a part of AEW. And yes, I get it. They got squashed as opposed to having a competitive match against the world champion. But at the same time, I think the real argument isn't necessarily building up, you know, a reason for Mance Water to be on the match. I think it's, I think Raj Gary, I saw on Twitter talk about this of Wrestling Inc. I think he has this spot on. You have guys on the roster that are struggling to get on TV. And Ethan Page, and Andrade El Idolo, uh, Arush, a Malachi Black. Now, they're starting to get on TV more, but you throw in a guy like Mance Warner, who's on a one-off, when you have all these other guys that are like, I'm here full-time. Where are my matches? Oh, no, you get relegated to dark. You, get, you go on dark elevation. No, the hell with that. But that I think that's where the argument really is. But this isn't really the only thing that fans kind of we're talking about they were talking about something else on smackdown that happened that night too uh Liv morgan goes out and she has an interview following her controversial win at SummerSlam, where she tapped out before the count of three however the referee did not see it so it gave Liv morgan the win as opposed to losing the title to ronda rousey and th- she explains that she tapped because she thought it was already a three count therefore she tapped and fans are not buying this. They're giving her a huge crowd of booze, like instantly turning on her, maybe because of the booking, maybe because they see maybe she wasn't the one that they thought should get the push after pushing for it for so long. Is this a sign that fans are in fact fickle? I don't think it's a sign that the fans are fickle. I think it's a sign of a couple of things. I think it's one. I think we overestimate uh, and put too much stock in the things that tend to float around on Twitter and the IWC. I think Ronda Rousey's way more over than people let on um, because I've been to a number of live events where she's been there. She gets good reactions. She has been a big star outside the WWE. Um, and I, I do feel like she actually is a draw much more so than uh, you would imagine just based on scrolling through Twitter and seeing what people are writing about Ronda. So think that the fan base was a little more divided than you would have thought. Um, the other big thing, uh, I've always felt this about Liv, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan, to me, right now, I think is getting some pushback and some backlash because I think she has a little bit of the Rocky Maivia syndrome. Everything's happy-go-lucky. Everything is smiles. Everything is about how hard you work and how much it means to you. People don't buy that stuff, man. People want some type of grit, something they can connect to, something that's real. Now, I know people were happy that she won the title, but I criticized Ronda Rousey for this very thing. Ronda Rousey is a badass, and she started coming out smiling, shaking hands. Do you remember this? One of the very first episodes we've ever done. Liv Morgan needs to figure out who she is. Like she needs to get more comfortable. It can't all be smiles and and just I'm a baby face. You have to cheer me. The fans will turn on her in an instant. And I don't blame them. Like the same thing we just talked about with Mance Warner and that whole match dynamic. Like you got to give me a reason to be invested and smiling and shaking hands and uh, telling people how hard and how much you want this. That's only going to get you so far. They want to either boo the shit out of you because you're such a great heel and you just piss people off. Or they want to cheer you because they connect with your passion or what your mission is or whatever you're trying to accomplish. And right now, I feel like she's just going out there and like regurgitating whatever lines 
she could think of. It's just like, let me smile and wave to the camera. It's like, no, I, people see through that stuff. Yeah, I definitely think there's some fans out there that see through her and are not really accepting the character Liv Morgan right now. But I will say, after watching SmackDown, you hear the booze when she's having the interview and she kind of gives it back. Like, I don't mind the criticism or whatever. I forget the exact wording she said. But then during the gauntlet match, there were chants of Ronda Rousey, but then there were also chants of Liv Morgan. So how many of those that were booing Liv Morgan were just happened to be Ronda Rousey fans to go to your point of how over Ronda right. Rousey is and not so much that the fans turned on Liv Morgan. I think the following weeks to come in the build towards Clash of the Castle where Ronda Rousey suspended, she won't even be on the show. She's going to, uh, Liv Morgan's going to be facing Shayna Baszler after she won the gauntlet match for the smack, um, to get a shot at the SmackDown women's championship. So it's going to be interesting to see how this story develops in the weeks to come. And maybe this is another pivot from triple H where he writes some of the wrongs of the NXT talent that got changed to the main roster that haven't been booked right and gives the belt to Shayna Baszler. And maybe we see Ronda versus Shayna. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because Shayna Baszler, of all people, was one of the most uh, protected and um, strongly booked women on the NXT roster. And ever since she's come up, it, she's she's obviously been an afterthought. You know, mm -hmm. it's very obvious who the main women are on the on the main roster, and they have been on top for quite some time. Um, she hasn't done a whole lot in terms of singles competition, winning prominent championships or prominent matches. So. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this, uh, but I got to think that Triple H has been kind of clamoring to get her back to uh, back to her form of dominance where she once was in the NX, in NXT. Yeah, definitely. And now I mentioned championship matches, Shayna Baszler versus Liv Morgan happening, but this past week, there were a ton of championship matches, obviously led to starting off the Battle of the Belt show, which happened on AEW on T uh, was it TBS, TNT, I can't even remember. But nonetheless, uh, we had three title matches. Claudio Castagnoli uh, retained against um, Takeshita. We had Thunder Rosa retained against Jamie Hayter. And Wardlow retained against Jay Lethal. I think a lot of people just assumed that these were going to be retentions. Not really a thought of a changing of the title anywhere. I thought maybe if any were to happen, it'd be Jamie Hayter beating Thunder Rosa to build up a tension between Hayter and Britt Baker. But that didn't happen. And I think you know, there wasn't really a lot of people talking on social media about this show and the ratings didn't do so well. They actually were the worst of the three battle of the belt so far. I understand. Yes, it's the summer. Yes, it's Saturday. So you could throw those, you know, I don't want to say excuses, but reasons why the, the viewership and the ratings were down. But at the same time, you kind of have to say this show is kind of a throwaway. So is battle of the belts become already after three ver three you know installments of it a throwaway show no i don't think it was a throwaway show i think it's just one of those things where it's like look i know people give tony khan a lot of credit and a lot of buzz for like you know putting on uh great matches and and booking and all that type of stuff but look at the matches you just talked about wardlow and jay lethal well wardlow definitely no matter what people want to say he's lost a little bit of something Ever since MJF is gone, um, it's kind of like he's on TV every other week. He's not always on Dynamite. He's on Rampage. Look, 
This match with Jay Lethal, were people truly invested in it? Were they truly interested in it? Was the story good enough to get people to watch? Obviously not if the numbers weren't that great. Jamie Hayter and Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa as a champion, again, has she been booked strong? Eh, not not all that much. Not I, I don't think people would say she's she's been booked the best. She's been put in a lot of weird situations. She's been mostly left off dynamite as well, not made to feel special. Um and then, you know, Claudio, yeah, I, I think he's been put in a good position, but it's just like, look at the stories. Are people really invested in them? Did, it, did you really give people a reason to say this is can't miss TV? I, I don't think so. I think the matches were fine. I'm not complaining about the matches, but was it like where I was going to stay home on a Saturday night just to watch this? No, I'm probably DVRing it, watching it hungover on Sunday. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I saw those three matches. I had a, I had a, I mean, I want to see Claudio and Takeshita. I mean, those guys could work a great match and did so. Wardlow, I'm a fan of. Thunder Rosa, you know, I feel like she's one of the best female wrestlers out there and could give a good match. But to your point, there's no why. There's no why. And that's the most important aspect for me as a fan is the why. Why does this match matter? And yeah, they're all championship matches. There's your why. I get, I get that. But still, like, when there's been very little to say, why is Jamie Hayter a threat? Oh, because she pinned Tony Storm? Okay. Oh, you know, Jay Lethal won a bunch of matches on Dark, and so he gets the TNT championship match. Okay. Takesha's had a bunch of great matches, but have we ever seen him win on Dynamite yet or Rampage? Why does he get the title shot against Claudio? That's that's the thing that I have a problem with. Are not necessarily the the what the matches, it's why these matches are happening. And I think that's the the tiny little problem that AEW, that's what separates them from like a 1 million viewership on Dynamite to like a 1.3. You know, why? You have to know the why. People want to know the why. I'm not the only one that thinks this. And I'm not trying to be dogmatic in this and thinking that my opinion is fact. But people click more when there's a why behind it. Yeah, it's called investment. If you keep being, if you give people a reason to care, if people are invested in something, you're going to watch. As bad as the Giants are, I have an investment in the New York Giants because I love the New York Giants. I will watch the Giants week in, week out, as bad as they are. Um Yankees, Red Sox, same thing. There's a rivalry. There's a story with that. Uh, it's no different than this. You're just telling a story and trying to get people invested. Are people invested in somebody like Claudio as an individual? Yes, they are. But that one specific match, was the end really in doubt? Was there any reason that they give, gave you to, to believe that Claudio was going to lose the title? Or Thunder Rosa, was she going to lose the title? No, and I think that's what's missing. Like... There's investment in the wrestlers in AEW. And sometimes the stories are great, but sometimes uh, when it's not the main title or not the main guys on the card, it's like, well, let's just put them in a dream match. We know people will be into that. And that's that's a problem that they have right now. But you talk about investment, you talk about story. There's been some investment, at least on Raw, in this guy named Tommaso Ciampa. And he got a 
U.S. championship match. And let me tell you, they've been building up that U.S. championship match the last couple of weeks with these video packages telling the prestige of the title and all these people that have won the title from Dusty Rhodes to Harley Race, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Steamboat, the list goes on and on, trying to make this thing probably like not as equivalent as the WWE Universal Championship, but a very important title nonetheless. And Champa goes up there against Bobby Lashley, and he dedicates the match to Harley Race. And I think they had a very good match. And here's a guy where, in a losing effort, really shined. And even though he lost, still got over in that match. So the question now is what's next for Champa? I don't know if you want to call it a face turn, but I think him feuding with The Miz couldn't be a bad thing because, mm-hmm. as we've seen, The Miz is. Obviously very good on the mic. He's a good heel. I think he would be an okay face. I don't know if people would necessarily cheer the Miz over Champa, but look, Champa's the best when he's a he's a heelish prick. Like like the psycho killer that he was in NXT. If he could just, you know, I can almost envision it now, him just randomly turning on the Miz, sitting on the apron and just patting himself on the back, then clapping. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what he does. That's when he's at his best, just the same way the Miz is. Uh, at his best when he is a heel. So uh, I I think that those two feuding together wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Um, That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I I think eventually it is going to lead to a feud with The Miz. I just don't know at what point, like, that turn happens. I don't think it happens, like, next week. It's probably going to happen in due time. Maybe they even give Champa and uh, Champa and The Miz a tag team title run. I mean, once the Usos drop the title and to whoever that is, push this like sick, like let this thing like simmer for a little bit. You know, we don't need to necessarily break tag teams up. And I think that's one of the pivots. I think triple H is going to have is that we're not going to see so many tag teams just get put together and then split up, put together, split up. Triple H is going to actually build the tag team division. So we'll see how that goes. But the last championship, actually, we had two more championship matches on AEW Dynamite's Quake by the Lake. The first one was for the TBS championship. That was Jade Cargill retaining against Madison Rain. After the match, though, we have Athena disguised as a baddie attacking Jade Cargill. And it looks like this is the start. Well, not really the start, but we've seen this kind of develop already. Now that Chris Statlander's out yet again with a knee injury. It seems like now the the path to this is Athena versus Jade at All Out for the TBS Championship. So the question is, does Athena dethrone Jade Cargill and give her her first loss in professional wrestling? I'm starting to lean more and more towards yes. Um, And the reason I say that is because as good as I think Jade has been, one, it's... I. I mean, character-wise, I love her character, but it's not like she's doing anything all that different. Um, and in ring wise, her matches just kind of tend to be the same, which, you know, they're not the most technical of matches. You know exactly what you're going to get out of them. And I think that, you know, for what they're trying to do with her, it may have kind of run its course just a little bit. Uh, they already kind of did that with Wardlow anyway, kind of just not exactly with the streak, but just the power bomb symphony week after week after week, just showing dominance. So I do think Athena's going to beat her. You really think so? I think I do. I think, you know, this is a match where 
I think Madison Rain was kind of the first to be like, let's give her like a good contestant match against a seasoned veteran and give her that solidified win where Jade can, you know, start being more of a main player on AEW Dynamite and Rampage on a weekend and week out basis. And the match itself, I mean, I could see where there's still some green in Jade Cargill, but I still think there's been a lot more um, development than when we seen her in that first match and that tag match with Red Velvet and Cody Rhodes and Shaquille O'Neal, you know? So th I think this match with Athena, I think just helps her even more because you have yet another season vet in Athena that can work with her and give her a lot more shine and make her look a little bit better in the ring. And I think the streak continues. I honestly think, I honestly think they try to push this to 50 and all before they drop a loss on Jade Cargill. And I don't see her winning 14 more matches between now and all out. So I don't, I don't honestly don't see her losing for the rest of 2022. Any guesses as to who beats her? I don't Tony know. Storm? I mean, Athena is probably the most credible person to beat her right now, but I just think right now the women's division also needs to be built up. And if you have Jade lose, you have no one else to build up to be Athena. So yeah. I think you need to build up a couple more credible opponents that eventually beat Jade. And then you can start going through and, you know, having not necessarily a hot potato with the TBS title, but just build up that division even more because I feel like that seven, that second singles title in the women's division kind of is not warranted yet because the, the division's just not strong enough yet. And they just kind of did it to, Hey, look, we got a TNT title. Now we need a TBS title kind of thing. It was more for uh, WB discovery than it was for AEW. I think if it's not Athena, maybe Tony storm, even though she's kind of feuding with, under Rosa. Yeah. Yes. So they might, they might do that. I could see that happening too, but time will tell, but you know, the other championship match that happened at quake by the lake was for the interim AEW world championship, John Moxley versus Chris Jericho, the return of the Lionheart. I thought this was a pretty decent match. And we saw Jericho actually use a lot of the submission and twisting and turning that he said that he was going to do and stretching that he was going to do on John Moxley. I kind of like the reversals at the end of this match where you had the lion tamer switch to the chokehold, switch back to the lion tamer, back to the chokehold. Jericho trying to get one last, you know, struggle, but you know what? He had to tap out before he passed out. And then of course we got, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society coming out. We have the Blackpool Combat Club with Kingston and Ortiz coming out. And then the music hits. CM Punk has returned, and that's one of the few returns that were if you want to call them surprises, they were, but I think a lot of people were speculating that these returns were coming, but this one here, CM Punk does return. So what are your thoughts on this? I think obviously this is building up to all out Moxley versus Punk to unify those titles. Is this the money match for all out? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, look, you could hear it in the reaction with, with when Punk's music hit, obviously, uh, you know, Moxley, has been one of the most protected over guys in AEW with, you know, he 
he beat he's beaten just about everybody there is to beat and now we have punk who's coming back at just the right time uh when you know it's kind of like depending on who you ask dynamite's been a little hit or miss as of late so Mm -hmm. definitely needed him back and then there's rumors of maybe omega potentially coming back so they're definitely getting some people back at the right time yeah definitely and we're going to talk about possibly kenny omega coming back in a little bit but let's talk about some of the other returns that we got this week first one on smackdown Closing moments of SmackDown, we have Drew McIntyre coming to the ring to approach the WWE Universal Undisputed Champion, whatever the hell it's called, Roman Reigns, and then this music starts, the smoke comes out, Scarlett Bordeaux is out in front of the the screen, and Karrion Cross attacks Drew McIntyre and puts, and they put Roman Reigns on notice, they put the hourglass in the ring, tip it over to have the sand start falling tick tock on Roman Reigns his time is ending it's got people talking you know a little bit of a surprise they didn't think Karrion Cross would be back at WWE but you figure Triple H is running the show now so more people are going to be coming back than you know you would think but got people also speculating that this could be their way of trying to split the heavyweight championships and have a WWE champion again, and a universal champion again. Do you think that's what's going to happen? And is it a good move? I don't think it's a good move. I think that they can should keep the title as one title, have one champion. Um, I think, if anything, having uh, one champion on one show or even a champion that kind of goes back and forth, depending on you know what the situation is, it's actually given Raw an opportunity to try and um, elevate other titles. Like we just talked about the U.S. title, like being the most prominent thing on uh, Monday Night Raw. We saw what happened with, you know, even going back before Triple H took over uh, Ezekiel and Kevin Owens. Uh, so it gives the it gives that show the ability to uh, put different people in better positions. So um, I I don't think they should split them. Uh, I do find it interesting that in all of this, there the rumor was always in the storyline has always been, you know, theory was Vince McMahon's guy ever since SummerSlam. It's really like, I don't think we've seen a whole lot of him. We have Karrion Cross who's come back, who might be in that title picture. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, what if they do this? Drew what if McIntyre. they do this though? You bring up Austin theory. What if they have drew beat Roman? You know, it's, it's in the, it's in Wales. So he's going to be in front of a hometown crowd. So he beats Roman. Karrion Cross attacks McIntyre after the match. And then Theory cashes in on McIntyre. So then you have McIntyre and Karrion Cross feud, not necessarily going after Theory. And then Theory maybe has a feud with whoever. They do a number one contenders tournament or whatever to decide his first championship match. But and then Roman, you know, he's going to be part-time, so let him disappear and let some of the other guys fill in the top spot. Do you think that happens? Well, I kind of felt like Theory was going to cash in at uh, Clash at the Castle anyway, um, but it's just, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, is Triple H not so much of a fan of his? Is he like, well, let's pump the brakes, you're not ready? Um, does he just want to put his guys in those prominent positions like a Karrion Cross or somebody like that, so... You know, that's the other thing, too. I see people saying, is he a Triple H guy? Is he a Triple H guy? Did we not forget this guy was a huge part of the black and gold brand during the the Wednesday Night Wars as part of the way? 
Oh, he he definitely was. He definitely was. But I just don't. I'm just saying. I don't know if he. It, it still remains to be seen if he's going to be put, put in those positions on the main roster by Triple H. It, it was pretty obvious that Vince McMahon saw something in him. Um, but we'll see what the future holds for for Theory. Yes, we'll see. But you know, I talk about the way. Maybe what they end up doing because of the other big surprise that happened. Eventually, Johnny Gargano comes back. Eventually, Candice LeRae comes back, joins forces with Austin Theory. Indy Hartwell gets called up from NXT and then reunites with her kayfabe husband, Dexter Loomis, who, you know, made a surprise return to Raw this past week. And there was a couple weird things that were happening. First, the way that Raw ended after the no disqualification match between AJ Styles and The Miz, you see what looked like a fan getting arrested in the front row. We find out that is in fact, Dexter Loomis, but throughout the night we see this car crash in the parking lot. First noticing it with an interview with Kevin Owens. You see Dewdrop and Nikki ASH investigating the car crash. And then there's an interview later on in the night with Alexa bliss and Asuka where they're taking away the car. So we don't know what the hell the car thing is all about we see afterwards with dexter loomis being revealed as you know the guy getting arrested after the aj styles match i don't think they confirmed that these were one in the same but are these things one in the same with dexter loomis and the car crash and is this is a very interesting way to debut dexter loomis one, back on WWE, but also on the main roster. I'm not sure if they're absolutely connected. Um, but what I can say is I do like the what I think the thought process is behind this because neither of them were actually the focal point of what was happening in that in either of those segments. Obviously, the one with Dexter Loomis, uh, that, that was all happening in the background with AJ Styles. And I think when you watch it on TV live... They didn't even really show you that it was Dexter Loomis. Like it was kind of like AJ was just kind of looking out at the crowd. Then it was put up on uh, social media. The way that it was done with the cops and the way that he got arrested it made it look at it, it made it seem mostly real. Um, and then obviously it got posted to like WWE's Twitter page and Instagram and everything else. But this made it where it's like, okay, well we're gonna let the fans kind of record this. Uh, put it up on social media. Eventually, it made its way to WWE's YouTube page. At, last time I checked, it had 1.5 million views. Yeah, something um, around so, there. And that's pretty impressive considering, you know, Dexter Loomis is not... It's not like he was like over to the extent of a Johnny Gargano or a Champa on NXT. He was pretty prominent during a portion of NXT. Um, and it, it just, obviously something had to have worked where it's driving people to WWE's YouTube page to view it. Right. I, so, think, uh, I thought it was done really well. I think part of it was just the curiosity because it wasn't quite yeah. revealed on raw. It's like, who the hell was that guy? And to find out it's Dexter Loomis, you know, that's cool. You got that debut and the return of carrying cross as the two top viewed videos on their particular shows that night. So, that's that works in WWE's favor. Also, I've said this before, and what I've seen so far from WWE, we saw it this week on Dynamite 2. Something needs to happen at the end of the show where there's a question at the end to get you watching next week. Karrion Cross came back. What the hell's going on? What does this mean for Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre? Find out next week on SmackDown. Who's this crazy man that's, you know, 
getting arrested in the front row to close Raw. Find out next week on Monday night. CM Punk is back. What does that mean for John Moxley? Find out next Wednesday on Dynamite. We're, st- we're getting that. That's what's going to start driving viewers to both WWE shows and AEW shows. If you just close it out with, man, that show was great. That was a great match to close out the show. Well, good night, everybody. It's a period. It's yeah. done. Move on. Move on to the next thing. When you have a question, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to get back to this thing before the, qu- the question's got to get answered. I need to know what's up. And that's how binge watching works on these TV shows that you see on Netflix or whatever. Even like freaking Stranger Things where you have a season finale. There's still questions that have to be answered, which is why it's going to make you want to watch season five when that comes out. And all these other great shows, they all leave questions. Also gets people talking on social media right now, too. So that's working in their benefit. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, there's some questions that are going to be answered with some tournaments that are happening. So we have a couple tournaments that are beginning to crown new champions. We'll start with the trios title in AEW. You have the brackets have been announced. So we have death triangle against will Ospreay and Aussie open. They'll face the winner of Andrade El Idolo, dragon Lee and Roosh against the young bucks and their partner who is yet to be announced house of black against the dark order. Don't know which three members are announced yet. The trust busters, which feature Ari Davari and Parker Bordeaux. And also the best friends in that matchup, Orange Cassidy, Ralph's favorite wrestler, Trent and Chuck Taylor. So I mentioned that the Young Bucks don't have a partner in this. They offered Hangman Page to be the partner. Hangman Page on this week's episode of Dynamite says, you know what? The Dark Order was there when I won that title. I'm following them. I'm not even going to be in the trios championship tournament. So I'll be in their corner, but that's it. So the Young Bucks have to go back to the drawing board is kenny omega going to be that partner for the young bucks the fan side of me wants to see that happen but uh it also obviously is all going to depend on if he's healthy and ready to go if he's not healthy though who fills that role it's not going to be brandon cutler marty Skrull. i don't think it's going to be marty Skrull either no um we really don't know who else could fill that position that would have some type of ties to them. If, unless Adam Cole makes amends, but then that makes absolutely no sense. Why attack them if, unless they kind of, unless he just kind of talks them into it. What's Kota Ibushi up to these days? Uh, I, last time I checked, he's hurt, but he did tweet out some stuff where he wants to wrestle Hangman Page. Could be that. I don't know. I mean, I would guess Omega. I mean, if it is Omega, look at that side of the bracket that faces the winner of this match. So I think we, it's, I don't want to fully assume, but I would think the Young Bucks, and if it is Omega, Omega advance. So they face the winner of Death Triangle versus Will Ospreay and Aussie Open. So if Ospreay and Aussie Open win, that means we have Omega and Ospreay in the same ring. So. Obviously, one of them have to win and obviously get to the finals of All Out. So you're not going to see Omega versus Osprey at All Out. But could this lead to an eventual Osprey versus Omega match? And this is the seed that plants it. 
Certainly could. It all depends on if Omega makes it back, though. That's the problem. And uh, if it all depends on if he's healthy. All right. Well, let's assume that it is Omega, because I honestly can't think of anybody else unless Adam Cole talks his way into it or they find a way to get Adam Page to team with the Young Bucks. Who wins this tournament? Well, this seems like a tournament that's tailor-made for the Young Bucks. Do they need the championships? No. Should they have probably kept the championships and dropped them to FTR? Yes. I'm going with the Bucks and whoever the mystery opponent is. Do they beat the Dark Order in that finals match? Um... It would make sense because of the 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 affiliation to Hangman Page, but they have to they have to face but, House of Black in the first round, which they could find a way with Darby and Sting and and uh, Miro to interfere in that match and cost them the win, and then after that they have to beat Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. Yeah, nobody cares about them. They're not winning. <laughs> You sure about that? Pretty damn sure that the best friends in Orange Cassidy aren't going to be the first glorious uh, trios champions or go to the finals. All right, if if you say so, if you say so. But we do have one more tournament that actually started on Raw this past Monday. It is for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Finally announced. Finally going to happen. And... The brackets are on the Raw side, Tamina and Dana Brooke against Io Sky and Dakota Kai. That match already happened. Sky and Dakota Kai won. The other side of that bracket is Alexa Bliss and Asuka against Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. That's happening next week on Raw. And on SmackDown, tonight, when this you know episode goes live, it will be Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah going against Shotzi and Zia Lee. And the other match, Natalya and Sonny, uh, Sonya Deville Going up against NXT's Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks. Now, NXT has some women tag teams, most notably Toxic Attraction, and of course the team of Caden Carter and Katana Chase, formerly Casey Cananzaro. Why go with the two singles wrestlers in this spot when you could have put an established women's tag team here? This is a little my this this one's a little frustrating and mind-boggling because I feel like WWE and uh, the Triple H era, if you will, has done a lot of good things. Um, I was a little disappointed in some of the tag teams in here. So, uh, what what are you disappointed at? I, obviously, we're going to get EO and Sky or EO and Kai. I should say. Damn, I pulled a Bailey there. What? <laughs> uh, and obviously, Nikki Ash to do drop Alexa Bliss and Oscar. Those ones make sense. This, it's really the SmackDown teams. Yeah, Shotzi and Zaya are kind of heels, so put them together. Natalia and Sonya Deville, I guess, put them together. For every reason I said I, I wasn't interested in like Moxley and Mance Warner, I hate when they just throw tag teams together. Like, okay, we need to do a tournament. We need to fill out the brackets. You two get together. You're both heels. So, like, I, I just, and that's my gripe. Like, are the matches going to be good? Yeah, they'll probably be good. But to me, it's always like I want to be invested in it, especially if it's something as hopefully they're trying to bring prestige to the tag team titles. So, you know, there's right. that. Well, that's true. But 
I think eventually, I think the finals, let's see. No, no, uh, no, uh, fatal attraction. Toxic attraction. Toxic, no toxic attraction. Yeah, that's what here, I said. Which is surprising. That's what to I me. said. No toxic attraction. And that's like, you know, probably the best women's tag team they have in NXT. You could arguably say that they're one of the best in WWE right now, but that goes to show you how actually weak the women's tag team division really is given the point to Sasha and Naomi, like you haven't built this division. It's crap. That's why we're walking out. But I think there actually was a legitimate reason for this. Why bring up toxic attraction or Carter and chance just so they could lose in the first round. I don't see lions and Zoe Stark winning against Natalia and Sonya Deville. I honestly don't. Honestly, I think Natalia and Sonya are probably going to make it to the finals. And that, so you have toxic attraction come out and they lose after they were built up as this, you know, really good tag team and, you know, long reigning women's tag team championships just to get bounced in the first round. Go with the two singles wrestlers that could get a few minutes of shine, a few minutes of reps on the main roster, go back down to NXT and the loss doesn't hurt them. Where the, the loss to toxic attraction or, uh, Caden Carter and Katana Chase would probably hurt them. Who do you think is going to win this whole thing? Let me ask you that. Io Sky and Dakota Kai. And do you think Sasha and uh, Naomi end up making an appearance? Eventually, yes. I think probably after they win the titles, because I think the finals is at Clash of the Castle, if I'm not mistaken. Well, no, if it is, if it's at Clash of the Castle, they already announced that six woman tag match. With Io Sky, Dakota Kai, and Bailey against uh, Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss. So unless they're pulling double duty that night, that match isn't happening. So, yeah. Like, are they going to do the oh Io Sky and Dakota Kai cross cost Alexa Bliss and Asuka the titles? So Nikki Ash a do drop advance, then Alexa Bliss and Asuka return the favor. Uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop make it to the finals against Natalya and Sonny De- uh, Sonya Deville. And then Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop win with Dewdrop being the hometown hero. Oh, God. And Nikki A.S.H. also. Yeah, so they would both be in front of a hometown. Yeah. I didn't even realize that until now. So it's probably going to be Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop would be my guess. That'd be a rough one. <laughs> it would be, but what do you guys think? Who should be the next, who should be the first trios champions? And also who should be the new WWE women's champions? Give us a tweet at SCPB podcast. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB podcast. Give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast provider. Subscribe, hit that bell for notifications on YouTube, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.